You're listening to Tigers SRD with Roger Martin and Chris Brown on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Starting Toledo and Mr. Jake Rogers making a, a big yeah. appearance. Yeah, yeah, and that's when we discussed it earlier. The the Tigers rotation issues are just you know it's hurting Toledo just as much. They, you know, Ryan Carpenter was their best starter, which is oh. which tells you something. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. You said the biggest news in Toledo is they called up Jake Rogers and he had the uh, aforementioned Jamarkle in his first game, two for three with a walk and double <laughs> and a homer. Uh, really, really nice to see. I mean, obviously, we we keep track on him pretty closely. He's probably the most divisive prospect amongst yeah. our cohort of of uh, baseball buddies. Um, Which is weird because like half of his game is rock solid, and everybody knows he's one of the best defensive catchers in the game. But that hit tool is extremely divisive. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, I mean, I think I don't remember how many runners he threw out last year. But this year, I think he's 10 out of 15. <laughs> it's like, why are you even bothering? What are you thinking? Yeah. But yep. uh, Stop running on this man. Yeah, and it's not like he's got, like, the biggest cannon in the world. He's just got the quickest release I think I, I, I can ever remember. But, uh, yeah, so it's nice to see him come up and hit. We know how good a defensive player he is. If he keeps hitting, uh, you know, that's he's one of the few kind of – I I'd put him in the kind of like the Willie Castro – uh, I don't know who else. The small bucket of of guys who could be below average regulars to above average regulars if something goes right. You know, they could be key parts of the the rebuild, and it, it's all dependent on if he hits. And he started off well, so that's good. Yeah, and, um, and, and I might even say that like the the defense is so good that he might not even have to hit that much, and he'll still be a three or no. a three or four player. Even if it doesn't, even war doesn't work well for catchers. But if yeah. I visualize what that guy is, it's worth to your team. Yeah, he may well be worth three or four war just as like a 70 WRC plus guy who, you know, hits 20 home runs, bats 210 and, you know, walks 8 percent, something like that. Yeah, I think I think for me, the key is just kind of, you know, how well the hit tool translates in the majors to get to his power, because he's yeah. not going to be a guy who's like, you know, spraying line drives all over the field. Just let him. Let him pull home runs and, you know, hit 20 home runs and hit 210, and that would be great. But you got to get, you know, I, I don't know if it still works if he's only hitting 10 home runs. Probably still pretty good. But, you know, it, like I said, it's it's the difference between, like, an average player and, and an above-average player. Um, yeah. Those little extras. Those little extras. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, let's see. Mikey Machuk, he has cooled off. <laughs> I think he went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts today. This is the Mikey Machuk way. <laughs> So is uh, it, do we call it the Golden Sabrero in AAA, or do we call it the um, what is it the uh, the like I'm trying to think of like a really crappy fast food establishment? So do you call it the the, the Ponderosa, the Golden Ponderosa? How about the, the tinfoil, the tinfoil Ponderosa? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not not ideal, especially against what you like you said. Who was Norfolk? I think the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the Norfolk. Norfolk pitcher had a funny name too, but uh, I don't remember it. It wasn't Packy Naughton, was it? No. <laughs> that was just one of my favorites from last week. No, what the damn it, I'm gonna look now. But uh, meanwhile, Jake Robson's still hitting under 200. That's yeah. uh, a little bit alarming, it, it, and with such an offensive environment this year, you're like, what's going on there? And Victor Reyes, and we bring him up as a joke most of the time, but yes, he's not hitting. He's got like a 630 OPS. 
623. <laughs> so, Ugh. and and again with the uh, oh yeah here it is, Herb, Herb, Tyler Herb. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, I don't know. It's not as funny now that I look at it. But uh, on the plus side, Willie Castro and Dabo Lugo, we talked about him earlier. They're both hitting pretty well. Both hitting like 320, 330, walking a surprising amount. Lugo has already surpassed his walk total from last year in Toledo. Although he can't remember, he came up in Detroit. And randomly walk like seven times and seventy at bats. Yeah, um, yep. everybody said you just couldn't see what was being thrown at times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and like you know, Mark Anderson has always maintained, and you know, he's never said that Lugo is like this great prospect. But uh, Mark from Town, he always said that Lugo has a history of kind of performing better his second year at a level. So yeah, that I think a lot of guys are like that. But you know, he's a, he's a guy we've talked about before. There are some things there that are interesting and you like like his ability to put the bat on the ball and and generally hit the ball fairly hard yeah yep uh it's just, so on, the, get, it's just on the ground and on a line too much yep yeah i mean he was one of the guys that we were discussing a potential launch angle article it was like you know he'd be one that would be interesting but um yeah so those are those are two sort of positives out of there and uh yeah i mean castro's hitting for neither of them are hitting for like over the fence power they've he's got uh, a fair amount of doubles uh castro's hitting for a little less power. He's walking more, striking out a little bit more, but he's got more steals. So a little more well-rounded and, and can play shortstop. And more, uh, the, yeah. the backup what you guys were saying earlier about what's going on internationally, there's 10 players that are batting 325 or higher, including one former Royal, uh, Escobar, who's playing right yeah, now. Yeah, he's in, yeah, he's with Charlotte. <laughs> he's with the White Sox AAA affiliate, the Knights. I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a great <laughs> – having him there is like a great control because we know exactly what that guy is. He's yeah. not very good. Yep. Uh, and he's having uh, a time of his life, though. It must be super fun to be like a you know a major leaguer who's only thirty, who wasn't really a good hitter in the major leagues at all. But you know, against international league pitching, like yeah, you can you know mash twenty home runs and look like you know kind of a local local town hero or whatever with your World Series ring, flashing that to all the prospects and stuff. Yeah, yeah, stories really good one. Um, the pitching in Toledo we discussed earlier, utter disaster. Yeah. Uh, we're not counting Ryan Carpenter. Matt Hall has the lowest ERA of any of the regular starters, and it's 6.82. Um, Zach Houston had never posted an ERA below 2.6 at any level in his career, and including a 1.18 ERA in 30 innings in Toledo last year, and it, it's one or it's it's 10.80 right now. Yeah, he's been a mess. He gave up 25 earned runs in 140 plus career innings before this year, and he's given up 18 earned runs in 15 innings this year. So it's yeah. Now, we've heard some things about that, but it's just the numbers are ugly, ugly as hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there but, may be uh, some personal reasons and behind the scenes yeah. things going on, but yeah, it's got to it's gotta come around, you know. But uh, John Schreiber, he's getting outs, so yep. there's yep. that. Yep. We might see him eventually. Um, but that's, yeah, that's all I had in Toledo. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to mention. Not a lot. It's just a bummer, you know, that there there really isn't even like a relief arm to call up, you know. Jose yeah. Cisnero was kind of like, oh, you know, that guy's got a big fastball. Maybe if he keeps the walks down. But of course, no. And, you know, Jose Fernandez, same thing. So, yeah, there's yeah. just not uh, there's just not any help coming. So, yeah, I don't know. It's It's been pretty ugly down there. Yeah, there's the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the relief. The, bull, the bullpens have been at the, that bullpen has been absolutely horrendous. I mean, even anybody they bring up there from Erie has just been flamed out, too. And, and I don't know, it, it, outside of for John Schreiber, of course, but uh 
you talk about Cinero's walk rate is he's got he's pitched seventeen innings. He's already got he's got fifteen walks, but he does have twenty four strikeouts. So right, <laughs> I mean, hey, you yeah, know. it sounds like a nightmare at bat. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's honestly, you know, that they maybe the way to pitch in the international league is just don't let anybody hit the ball and you're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the power numbers are just down across the board. There's a couple team or a couple players that have some power numbers, but down there, the power numbers are atrocious. Oh, Toledo's, they, yeah, Toledo's yeah. are, yeah. Let's go to Erie. Which is a bad sign in, um, in that hitting environment because, yeah, it seems like everybody else's power numbers are through the roof. So, yeah, especially. Yeah, the, you didn't even mention Daz Cameron. He's not hitting very well. No. Yeah, he's been a little hotter like the last couple weeks. Like I think he's hit three home runs and a couple doubles in the past yeah. two or three weeks. But, but yeah, it was kind of a slow start. Um, so he's not exactly looking. I mean, we always talk about like, and we don't know, you know, like what what the teams, you know, talk to themselves about. You know, what what conversations go on as far as like, okay, when is this guy ready for a shot? When when do we want to challenge this person and all that sort of thing? But you'd at least think that in Daz Cameron's case. You know, you want to give Jacoby Jones another two months to see if maybe he can kind of put it together and sort of make some of these peripheral numbers stick. And you hope Daz Cameron kind of gets on some kind of a roll. Um, I think Daz has a little bit of a track record of of kind of starting slow as well. So a lot of guys do. So, yeah, yeah giving him a little while um, is probably fine. But I, I do hope we see Daz later on this summer. And I would like to see Jake Rogers later on this summer, too. I, I kind of feel like it's time to get Jake Rogers, you know, to the major leagues and and getting used to, to catching major league pitching and dealing with those hitters and the whole, the whole thing. And I just don't know if there's that much he's going to learn facing triple a pitching that he wasn't able to learn at double a pitching right now. So yeah, yeah we'll see how those things kind of play out. Yeah. But. And uh, yeah, so real quick too, since the last time we recorded, uh, John Lester was signed to Toledo, but now he's back in Erie uh, earlier this week. Oh. So, cause he's just Josh, Josh Lester. Yeah. Josh Lester. Sorry. Josh, sorry, yeah. Josh Lester. After uh, struggle, struggling out of the gate with a nice, uh, robust 236 batting average in a short time in Toledo. Yeah. The team tells you what they think of their, their minor leaguers by where they send them generally yeah. <laughs> and how they, how they treat them up and down. Um, I did, yeah, we touched on this briefly, but I do wonder if Burroughs and Funkhauser were healthy, if they would have been called up by now. Oh, I'm pretty. I, I really, I'm sure Funkhauser would have. Um, they'd probably like to take longer with Burroughs, but I just don't. Yeah. You know, I just don't see what else you can really do with him at this point. And and again, like, what is he going to learn? You know, at Triple A at this point. Um, I don't know. He he spent some time there last year. I would have liked to have given Burroughs, you know, three or four months to kind of settle in there and then start debuting later on this summer. But um, I think we all think his his future as a starter is kind of tenuous anyway. So I don't know. I, I, I don't worry about him too much. Um, maybe I'll feel differently if he comes up and looks looks great and I can see how the stuff plays against major league hitters. Maybe I'll re- revisit that and be like, oh, they're moving him too fast. But I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. He's been healthy and durable all the way along. And that's that's the thing that sucks about this. I mean, Funkhauser has an, a shoulder impingement, which is like an actual kind of injury, whereas Burroughs just has inflammation, which isn't too, you know, usually too bothersome if, you see the guy throwing within a week or two, and then he's back on the mound. A lot of times it's not yeah. that big of a deal. Um, Franklin Perez, who we'll get to, is is a different scenario. But, yeah, so I don't know. I think he would have seen those two guys already. And I assume, yeah, that that's kind of the Tigers' thinking is to, to try to just, like, you know, kind of make it another another month or so and see if they can get some people healthy and, and find some internal options. Because, uh, yeah, there's just not anybody really worth, worth signing um, out there, as far as I can see. Yeah. Dallas Keuchel, but, you 
<laughs> well, um, yeah, and then there was the the Casey Mize option. If we're going to go down to Erie, uh, yep. he actually hit his, his first uh, speed bump of the year yeah. today. Uh, gave up four runs on six hits, two home runs. They, I saw them. They both looked a little windated. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it, that was one of our concerns with Mize, I think, uh, eventually in facing Major League Pitching is that he might be a little homer prone. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a kind of – I have this weird feeling that Mize might suffer from a little bit of the Brock Dethridge effect. And that, that's bad because Brock Dethridge is not a major league player. And Casey Mize almost certainly is. I mean, he definitely is. But what I mean is, like, you know, you come out, you come out and throw a no-hitter in your first double-A start, people are going to think you, that you're just Nolan Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and I, I – think the most likely scenario with Mize is he's still just kind of a, a really good, like number three, number two starter. It's yep. always been kind of, I mean, we get encouraged by some of the stuff he says, you know, like, Hey, he's going to, I think he's going to do his best to be the best kind of pitcher he can be, but it's not the sort of traditional dominant starter profile. Unlike Matt Manning, yeah. <laughs> who, who has some of the best pitching numbers in all of minor league baseball. In, in like the behind the scenes numbers, you know, strikeout rate, total number of strikeouts. I think he leads minor league baseball in FIP. Yeah. I haven't checked lately, but it's just that dominant, dominant fastball, yeah. like maybe the best fastball in the minor leagues um, by, you know, by some people's lights. It's just a, yeah, it's just, a, it's just kind of a different thing. I mean, I agree with you and, and, you know, I think the no hitter and that kind of thing get puts people in mind of Justin Verlander because unfortunately, and maybe all fan bases are like this, but in Detroit, you can't like, you know, you're either every every prospect either has to be compared to like John Smoltz or Justin Verlander or some bullshit like that. Um, you know, he's he's Thank not you. any anything like Justin Verlander really as a pitcher. Um, you know, I, I've actually been impressed seeing his fastball that there's more life on it than I think I thought from a lot of the mm-hmm. video I watched at Auburn. Um, and he's been throwing a little harder, like he's been 95 to 97 quite a bit. Um, so that that's encouraging. Um, but yeah, he's been weird to watch so far because he hasn't really used the fastball and splitter that much. In fact, he's been like, I've seen, you know, multiple innings go by where it looked like all cutter, all, all cutter slider. Um, yeah. and he said, you know, he's kind of been battling the fastball command a little bit, which is one thing, but to see a guy basically, you know, throw 40% cutters, 40% sliders, and then like, you know, 15% fastball and maybe like a splitter in there that I couldn't tell wasn't, you know, a fastball in the dirt. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a funky, funky mix. And, you know, we saw some people already kind of saying like, Oh, somebody who was it? It was Jeff Zimmerman from uh rotographs, which is kind yeah, of like yeah. Fangraphs fantasy site. But he was kind of saying like, Oh, you know what I'm seeing, you know, from, from, you know, Mize is, you know, just, just doesn't have the the strikeout ability. Oh, God. You know, yeah, it's, prob- that, it's probably yeah. going to be more like a, you know, like a late period Zach Grinky, you know, command and touch, touch and feel kind of guy, um, which the whole I thing will still is still take that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will totally take Zach. Any, any version of Zach Grinky would be fine. <laughs> but, uh, but I thought that was kind of just a bizarre thing to come out with after just a, a handful of starts, you know, but I, I guess that was, that was plugging things into a projection system and not realizing yeah. that you should wait and keep your mouth shut. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't have any, I don't have any big concerns about my eyes. Um, but I also, yeah, I don't see that, that top tier a ceiling there at all. And, and that's why, like, if they decided to bring him up this year, you know, and and, and at least like start acclimating him, I, I I wouldn't really be upset about it. I mean, I think it, that could be okay, um, as long as they're careful to sort of control, you know, next year, and 
you know, maybe you start them out slow, you know, you work them in at Toledo next year. And then, you know, when one of your starters goes down, you bring them up like, the, you know, they can tell them, oh, you're competing for a job in spring training. But, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't really expect to um, call them up and, and have them all next year anyway. So if they need to use them a little bit and want to get his feet wet, um, I think that would be OK. And, you know, I'm sure Chris Illich would like to sell some tickets with his broke ass uh, baseball team at some point, And that would probably help a little bit. Well, you know, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they uh, if they had some of their highest attendance tonight for their former ace. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, oh, most certainly. Yeah, yeah. closer to three thousand than what's been seen in the twelve hundred, thirteen hundred. But, Brandon, you bring up a great point, too, about the comparison. I wish people could stop comparison it. And, and also, and here's another thing. Stop assuming that the future aces are here too. Like, look, I, I only say this because I have history to remind us of, like we mentioned this before about the Mets. There's yeah. been, there's the, there's even like the, even, I mean, the, right now the Reds are probably the closest, but that's only a few. I mean, Castillo has just been lights out, but I, yeah. I, I cannot stress to anybody out there listening, a casual fan who's just under the illusion about this until I start seeing some outfielders or infielder talent. They've, the Tigers have developed a total of, what, five or six infield prospects the last 35 years. The last 30 years. I mean, since 1990, Travis Fryman, Tony Clark, Brandon Inge, and the infield. And that's, I mean, in terms of serviceable guys. So stop. I mean, I just understand this. The huge. The, 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 yeah, there's a few others, yeah. but yeah, in general, like yeah, don't uh, don't don't get too excited that we that we've got the you know the next wave yeah. on hand. Um, I mean, and you know, I don't know if we've even really had a chance to talk about this recently, but I mean, the Tigers have have made the decision to build with pitching. And to me, like the absolute worst thing you could do is go around and trade, you know, Matt Boyd for like another, you know, Willie Castro and maybe like a, you know, a power hitting first baseman or some some bullshit like that. And then think that, yeah, oh, Mize Manning, Burroughs, Turnbull, you know, Norris Fulmer all next year will be fine. Like, you know, we've seen we've had a perfect example um, already this this season of how fast they can fall apart on you. And that's without depending on Casey Mize and Matt Manning to be an ace, either one of them. Because, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Matt Manning has the, the higher chance of being an ace. But, you know, what is that like, you know, a four? That's like a five, four percent outcome. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, probably if, if things go well, you know, we've got two, you know, good mid rotation starters who, you know, by 2021 have settled in and can be effective, you know, consistently like that. That's like that's about as good as you can ask. So. Yeah, I mean, if we're still if we're still trading Boyd away, we're letting Nick Castellanos walk. Um, you know, we're we're a long way away. Like we're almost an entire team positionally. Um, you know, even if you hope, yeah. you know, you got Kristen Stewart, you got Jake Rogers, maybe you got Daz and and Isaac, but none of those guys really profiles as a star. And so, you know, yeah, you got like them and Goodrum and Rodriguez as sort of like nice utility pieces, but you still need like four or five stars on the field. And it really brings it into focus when you watch the the Houston Astros out there, and you know Jose Altuve is not playing, and it's like, oh yeah, the lineup is you know fucking Springer, Bregman, Ferrer, you know, just Brantley. It's Brantley, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just goes then, on and on. Yeah, like their yeah, bad you, players are like you know guys that we we'd be starting immediately. Yeah, you get you get through them, and you end up giving up hits to Aledmus Diaz and Robinson Chirinos and Josh Reddick. Yeah, probably like be hitting three, four, five for the Tigers. Yep, yep, absolutely. 
No, I mean, I think you, know, you touched on something. And they've got, Jord- I- and they've got Jordan Alvarez, and they've got Kyle Tucker. Yeah, Kyle Tucker. Two of the three or four best outfield prospects in the goddamn game right now. I don't there. even know what happened to Derek Fisher. He never really amounted to much of anything, but yeah. Like, A.J. A- 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 Reed. A.J. Reed yeah. was like the minor league player of the year, and he's like, whoops, well, oh, well, we'll use Tyler White. Yeah, um, I don't need him. But you know what? I think you touched on something that, that really every Tigers fan should remember, and it should be right in front of their face. Four years ago, they had the future rotation in Matt Boyd, who was going to be like the fourth or fifth starter, and Daniel Norris, who was going to be the one or two, and Michael Fulmer, who was going to be one or two. You know, it was like, yep. this is the future of the rotation. And we saw Fulmer come up immediately and look awesome. And then he's basically been injured the last two years. And Norris is a completely different pitcher now. He's, he's making it work right now, but it's not the same guy by any means. And Matthew Boyd in like year four or five, just suddenly became a really good pitcher. It's like none of this works out the way you think. It's not. Yeah. Justin Verlander wasn't Justin Verlander until like his fourth year. Like he was really damn good. But look at, I mean, what was his strikeout rate the first year? It was like seven and a half. Yeah. Per and, nine. I mean, was, and if you look at like what Justin Verlander looked like in in those first two years, he looked a lot better than, you know, anybody we've seen yeah. since still, you know, even though the, yeah, he still had to learn to pitch and, Learned that, you know, just reared back and throwing 100 all the time wasn't necessarily going to work for him. But the, the raw material was better than anything we've got other than, you know, yeah, I mean, I still like I man, I'm a, I'm a big Matt Manning fan, dude. I, I just watch that cat blow people away. But that's just so far from being able to put it all together. And your point is perfectly sound that like you need like eight guys like, you know, Fulmer, Norris, Boyd to, to get four, you know, at any given time when they might actually be able to help you. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's just there's just zero chance that Manning, Mize, and like I don't know, Franklin Perez are all going to come up and be fully weaponized from day one. It's gonna there's going to be bumps and bruises and, and injuries and yeah, you just can't count on on something like that. So, yep. I don't know. Fans need to remember that. And uh, but anyway, and there's Alex Fajardo who who uh, you know I give him credit. He 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 still pounds the strike zone. He doesn't he care does. about all those home runs. Like he's got one of the best strikeout to walk ratios in the minor league baseball. Uh, he also has kinda, one of the highest home run rates. But uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I was kind of <laughs> joking about him. We're just it's just like you know I I think I said this to Emily Walden. Like okay, you've got you know Alex Fajardo, Casey Mize, and Matt Manning. Who benefits most from coming up and just getting their ass kicked at the major league level? And uh, and she didn't want to answer it, but I I'm I'm convinced it's Alex Fajardo. I'm convinced that Alex Fajardo in his head still thinks like he doesn't really have that many problems and he just missed location and guys are getting lucky. Um, I, I think he could actually benefit from coming up and just getting murder bombed for a couple starts and like, okay, you really need to change your mechanics. And like, we need to, we need to start working on something seriously. He had one start a couple weeks ago where he was getting his arm up. Finally. Um, it looked like he'd almost like, you know, he, he'd stop sort of hunching himself you know, over when he goes into his delivery, like bringing his shoulders together and then, fl- you know, flaring them back like bat wings or something as he as he <laughs> opens up to throw. And, you know, it, it flattens his arm path and he throws this like high running two seamer that he can't get down at the bottom of the zone. Well, for one start, he's throwing he's getting his arm up and he's peppering it right at the bottom. And it's got like nasty, like late tail on it. And I was like, oh, there it is. Um, you know, we're getting excited. I'm, I'm cutting gifts. I'm all writing this article about, you know, Faito's got his mechanics sorted out. He's making changes. It's working. And then the, the last two starts, I haven't seen it again. And he's just been getting fucking crushed. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. What is that? Uh, prospect development's uh, not linear. Yeah. God damn it. But, uh, yeah, on the on the offensive side, you know, with Jake Rogers gone, there's not a 
a whole heck of a lot to get excited about. The Paredes, we're still waiting for him. Like we said earlier, he didn't seem bored. We're waiting for him to turn it on. Derek Hill was, was back to hitting okay. He's still not walking, but he was yeah. putting the ball in play again. And then he collided with Jose Azacar because Derek Hill is like one of these Grady Sizemore types who doesn't know how to not play 130% at all times. Yeah. You think Jose, Jose Azacar would know by now? Because I swear, like, even this year alone, I've almost seen them run into each other five or six times already. Um, Derek Hill, yeah, you just, just get the hell out of his way. Um, hopefully he's yeah. yelling because, yeah, he's coming like freight train on every play. Um, let's see what else. Uh, you know, Sergio Derek, Alcantara. Oh, can I throw one more thing in there? Derek Hill, one thing I will say is that he does – I mean, we didn't get to see him a whole lot last year, but he does seem to be – when he is making contact, he does seem to be driving the ball a lot harder this year. Um, he looks – you know, physically bigger over the past two years. He looks like he's filled out and is more muscular. And I don't know, you know, for those, for those reasons, I, I still haven't quite given up hope, even though we were real close um, preseason and, and got roundly screamed at for not having Brock Deathridge ranked above him at this point. But <laughs> yeah. Well, we can, <laughs> that's a Let's good segue into, into Lakeland. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I guess the, the big news in Lakeland was Franklin Perez returning. Yeah, which uh, he went out, pitched four innings, four hits, and three walks, and uh, you know, whatever. I just want to see him get innings. Yeah, and I think when he struck out three, he needed sixty-six pitches. But really, yeah, just just get that guy out there pitching every fifth or sixth day or whatever, and get him some innings and keep him healthy. And uh, because the Tigers fans haven't seen that at all, because he's not been healthy for us. Um, yeah, has he made back-to-back starts? Like, maybe he did make a couple in a row but for Lakeland last year or in extended spring training, but I thought yeah, he's basically been injured maybe. the entire time. Um, I'm real curious to see if they didn't, you know, if they did anything, because you have to think, you know, some of that overhand motion, can, you know, maybe isn't ideal. I mean, maybe it could be a conditioning thing, I, you know. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it's been pretty pretty disconcerting. Yeah, I mean, these aren't just like freak injuries. These are injuries that are related to the action of pitching. Yeah, which, like repetitive uh, motion <laughs> injuries. Which yeah. we want him to continue to do. So, Yeah, and uh, yeah. he also doesn't have any track record because he was a third baseman, I think, and has had only yeah. – I don't think he's ever thrown more than 60 or 70 innings. So he's still one of those guys you just don't know if maybe just physically like he's just not capable. So, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a concern. Yeah, maybe if you're a reliever, just like everybody else. Um, yeah, but yeah, we uh, you did. I think you mentioned Scooble, and he he got roughed up in his last outing a little bit, but I think it was one of those things where he was he was scoreless through five, and then things went south on him in the sixth inning. But he yeah. still uh, he's also remains among the the leaders in minor league baseball and a bunch of pitching stats that uh, that are nice. You know, one of the I think he has the best strikeout to walk ratio in the system, actually better than Fajardo. And strikeout rate just below Manning's. He's got a 1.9 FIP still, which is like top 10 in, in the minor. So his ERA is a little bit uglier than that. But <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's getting to the point where it might be time for him to uh, face some tougher competition. Yeah. The, uh, by the way, it was uh, congratulations to Nick Ames, who got uh, called up to Lakeland after a strong start yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in West Michigan. I believe, uh, and didn't Brian Garcia get called up to Erie today? I'm not mistaken. I think so. Uh, is that what happened? Yeah, I was yeah. looking because Garcia hadn't pitched in like four days, or if, if maybe he had already been called up to Erie, and I missed that. But because uh, yeah, he and Foley were both back in action, and both you know, kind of a couple speed bumps, but just again, good to see these guys on the mound. 
Yep, exactly. Just get, getting some work. Yep, him and Foley are probably our two best relief options, I, I would assume. Oh, well, other than, like, guys who are starting. So, and you know, you know who's been weird as hell is Anthony Castro. Like, I didn't see yep. him much last year because he's in Lakeland, and now he's, like, he's almost like this weird semi-sidearming. <laughs> I mean, he always kind of had a little bit of that kind of going on, but he used to kind of bring it over the top again at the end, and he's, I don't know, he looks, he looks really funky. Um, our buddy Robert James keeps kind of raving about him like he's throwing all kinds of different weird stuff and nobody can touch him right now but um i don't know i'm i'm, I'm i need to see anthony castro pitch some because he looks very very odd right now yeah it, did, oh, yeah it was that spot start too where he almost like was it he was been coming out of the bullpen he's been doing like these three or four inning spot starts too and then like what is it he, yeah yeah so he's been no he's been killing it go ahead Chris, well sorry. yeah but the, the one the one start where i just uh, happened to you know Every now and then they play these games during the day, and today was one of those ra- random days where all four teams played at like 10 a.m. It's always Wednesday, that 10.35 yeah. brunch game. <laughs> for, for the school school starts or whatever. But, uh, uh, yeah, the yeah. one I tuned in for, he uh, Castro was throwing – he was basically sidearm and could not throw a strike to save his life, and then he left after two innings or whatever. It turned out that he just had like – you know, he was dizzy and – the flu nause, or nausea or something yeah so it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't a great example but so i haven't watched it other than that so i don't, I don't know if that was just his normal arm slot this year but yeah he definitely wasn't like that last year yeah i was kind of like what in the, <laughs> what the hell am i looking at so yeah i don't know we'll, we'll see we'll see what goes on there probable reliever of course like everyone else yeah but we're, uh, all, pro- we're all probable relievers on the inside yes uh and that that uh that lakeland offense thing of beauty oh yeah um, cody clemens Dominate. Cody, Cody, yeah, he's actually been, I think, uh, his last 10 games, he's hitting like 297, which brought his season batting average up to 200 for the first time since April 7th. Yeah, it was so, bleak in April. Super bleak. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Not it, too much faith in him to begin with. I was like, oh, no, it's not going to go this fast, is it? Yeah, it's, you know, you hope that he figured something out and, and I don't know, or got more serious or I, I don't know what it is, but. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm not entirely sure that he's actually a major leaguer. But um, and then, yeah, God, you know, we talk Brock Dethridge now all the time, but his OPS is lower than Ray Rivera's. Yeah. So yeah. that's something. Yeah. And Ray Rivera is still still not getting it done. He's picked, no. it, he's picked it up <laughs> in quotations. His batting average is up slightly. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's actually hit for a little bit of power and, and I think walking more and striking out less than Deathridge, which is something. But yeah, it just you know, Deathridge is another one of those guys who it's like, dude, like he steals a base every time he gets on base. And yeah, it's like thir- thirteen for fourteen. It's like, boy, it would be nice if you could get on base more. That would be good. Yeah, it's but, like a like a advanced aid Jacoby Jones, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen for him. We'll see. I, you know, when I want to write people off, but. If you're struggling this much, it's tough to project. But yeah, and if um, you know, if you get, I mean, obviously, if you get Parker Meadows, Scooble, and Casey Mize out of out of that draft, I mean, that that's a really good draft. Even picking first overall, um, even even just getting two guys, you know, as you've said many yeah. times, you get two above average players in a draft, you did really well. So. Yeah, and like I think it was our guest last week, Brian Sikowski, said that Scooble's probably still a reliever in the end. Yeah, and that's fine for a ninth round pick. Like, all right, if he yeah, can actually be a good reliever, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, 
but yeah, so I don't know. If there's anything else at Lakeland, we can finish up with West Michigan if you want. And it's like much more of like he's like a controlled Gregory Soto, like same like superpower sinker, kind of kind of two plane, you know, high angle delivery, slurvy breaking ball that isn't always there for him, um, but has more control than Soto does, even though he's younger. So, yeah, I think there's something there. Yeah. So let's yeah, and I guess we could ahead. we could talk. I don't know if we've had a chance to talk about like Soto or Eduardo Jimenez, who came up and was nothing like. The prospect I'd always been told. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, he was sitting what like 93, 94. He'd never once touched uh, the upper 90s and had no real breaking ball to speak of. It was like, what? This is yeah. not. I don't know if it's the major league ball or or what. But uh, and Soto is just like the poster child for why you need to be able to control the baseball. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like, oh, you know, it doesn't look bad at times if he throws strikes, but he never does. Yeah, never lasts. Yeah, let's move the let's move on to Western Michigan. Another another uh, gentleman who got the I believe it was it uh, was another couple another West Michigan reliever got called to Lakeland. I'm trying to, it was a Angel De Jesus that got called yeah. to Lakeland. Yeah, he was off to a really good start. Thirty strikeouts in twenty four innings. Just I mean, his walkway. I think it was De Jesus or was it Reyes? I can't remember that got sent to Lakeland. Oh, I can't Boy. remember right now. Let me see. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that either. But the, we do have uh, two angels. DeJesus was one of those, I think a couple of years ago, they signed some relatively older kids out of the Dominican. Like you normally sign, sign these guys that are 16 and they signed a bunch of like 19 and 20 year olds. Oh yeah. I think it is angel. It's DeJesus. Yeah, I believe. DeJesus. Yeah, it is yeah. DeJesus. Okay. Go on, Chris. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I just, I think he was one of the guys that, that he's a little bit older than you would expect because they signed him older, but, uh, yeah, he's 22 well, already. Just no one to... fucks with the Jesus. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jeremiah uh, Jeremiah Brooks, I heard saw come. Uh, was according to uh, Keen coming back off the injured list. I think he had a homer. Yeah. Can you tell us anything so. about him? He's like okay. he's like athletic looking. Like I like it. I kind of like his swing. Like I see things that that interest me about him. But I know he has like no pedigree at all. So yeah, wait, I think. <laughs> It was kind of one of those interesting scouting finds where he he didn't play much at all his first two years. I think he was at Fresno, yeah, Fresno, Fresno State. Yeah, Fresno State. Hmm. Yep. And then uh, yeah, so his first real playing time was as a junior, and he came up and I think he hit for power and was like a decent average, but you know a lot of strikeouts compared to walks. And just yeah, generally considered kind of a toolsy kid who, I think they were like yeah he's probably gonna have to move to, to second base maybe outfield and I think he's been playing strictly second base. But it was, it was kind of along the, the lines of their whole top ten last year. It was like, all right, there's some interesting athleticism here. Let's see what we can get out of them. I haven't actually watched him play, so. Yeah, I haven't really uh, gotten to see him either, yeah. That's kind of been a problem. Like, I've been watching Erie a lot and not West yeah. Michigan, so. Yeah, and it's a shame because West Michigan generally has a pretty pretty good feed. <laughs> yeah, like, well, yeah, a lot better than Erie does. Plus, you get, yeah. you know, Dan Hasty, which is great. So, yeah. yeah. You don't, yeah, you don't get the eerie Vaseline lens. <laughs> like, what is going on here? What, are you trying to make Susan Sarandon look younger? <laughs> but, are we uh, filmed some kind of 90s video of the Lemonheads in the stadium? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, that no, should you know, be the flaming I'm sorry. West Michigan, I think they just got swept for the lug nuts for the second time this year, which is just like – I don't know. That's like their in-state rival. They've had rivalries going back like 15 years. That's never fun. But 
Some local love for uh, Jared Toby, who's pitching out there. He's a graduate of Wayne State. He's from St. Clair. He's from yeah. the area, so. that's. I mean, yeah, he's, they, he's not much of a prospect. He's a round 30 prospect, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. No, it's uh, it's always nice to see stuff like that. And I don't know, they had, uh, I don't know if he ended up playing. They had the nephew of the GM out there. I don't know if he actually has played in West Michigan yet this year, but. Um, but yeah, it's mostly it's pretty much the same as last week. There's there's not a whole. It's it's kind of Ulrich Boyarski is like the main offensive threat right now, and he has the fifth lowest walk rate in the Midwest League. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's kind of fun to see him mash, but so yeah, yeah you know this is not going to last. Yeah, it does have um, some power. Yeah, but yeah, but then yeah, it's it's kind of just like with Parker Meadows and Winslow Perez and Jose King and, and Sam McMillan. It's all just kind of. They're just staying afloat. They're walking a little bit, but not uh, hitting hitting much. And you just kind of hope for them to take off as the weather gets warmer and they get a little bit more experience there. I think I think Meadows walked three times today. Oh, did he? Yeah. Like, like, hey, you know what? I mean, that's all right. Give me a guy who who has a little bit of patience. Uh, they don't generally take guys like that. So, just like to see the batting average and the power and the speed come along with it. But I'm not terribly worried about him. We we knew coming in that the hit tool was the big question mark. Yeah. And he's still, he's still young and lanky as hell. So. Yeah. If he, th- if he needs the whole year, you know, in, in low a, and then, you yeah. know, you hope next off season, he's able to put on some good muscle and kind of take away a few things from it and, and come back and like next year look better. But yeah, you haven't really seen uh yeah. Wenzel, unfortunately, um, you know, hasn't, uh, he, he just looks like he's, He's he's feeling for it out there um, from the little bit I've seen. Just doesn't uh, doesn't seem super com- comfortable or, or like he's settled in at that next step. Like sometimes you just all of a sudden see a guy you watch play a bunch of times and they just look like they grew up somehow. And yeah, I, I haven't really seen that in the little bit I've seen of him. So <clears throat> yeah, I would imagine that maybe he will make it to Lakeland somewhere around the mid part of the season. But he's gonna have to he's gonna have to start swinging it the way he has a little bit more lately than the way he started because it was brutal the first uh, couple weeks. Yeah. And it was strange because because when we saw him last year, he looked totally comfortable and completely like in control. Yeah. Like, all right, this this like this low A is not going to be a challenge for him. This very uh, smooth and, stroke and yeah. Yeah. And he you know, he got a taste there, but. I don't know. Sometimes I guess it just depends on where you are in the season, and then confidence can be a funny thing like that. I guess if you start off really poorly, it's like uh, maybe I was just getting lucky. I don't know. Yeah, and these guys are young. You never know what kind of off season they had. Like Wenzel looks like he got bigger, and maybe not necessarily in a good way. Um, yeah. yeah, but you know, I don't know. Those, those things are <laughs> slight and hard to tell on TV. So, yeah. You know what I saw today was like a picture. I can't remember where this came from, but it was. Oh, it was, it was some promotional thing where it was like David Ortiz and Prince Fielder both shirtless, and Prince Fielder is huge. Oh, it's the uh, barbecue. It's abs. A, it's he still a, has the abs under there. It was, was a barbecue like, thing. Yeah, that is the craziest thing. Like Prince Fielder had one unique physique. I'll say that. Yeah, it's a so the yeah. promotion. It's a barbecue. Like they you get they get fit with barbecue. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tara sent me that picture today. It was Prince Fielder naked again. <laughs> and I'm, Which we like, all needed. It, I was like, is this from, like, the ESPN thing from, like, 10 years ago? And why are you sending it to me now? I didn't realize it was, it was recent. Interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, I know he was always just one of those kind of remarkable athletes who was chunky. But, like, if he changed, he probably wouldn't be nearly as good. It was, like, the source of his power. Yeah, it's like, if everybody, you know, people keep 
well, they're not anymore. I think everybody's given this up. But, you know, for a while, there was the whole thing with Vlad Jr. Like, oh, he's got, you know, there's just no way he's got to lose weight or he's a DH from the beginning. Yeah, I think people finally realize, like, no, no, yeah. just let him just let him be himself and play for now. And we'll, <laughs> we'll come we'll come to those things when they when they become a problem. Yeah, we'll deal with the hamstring injuries later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. injuries uh, chasing ham on the string. Yeah, foot and ankle injuries because you're putting yeah. too much weight on the leg, you know. Yeah, you start going like Miggy. Um, yeah, and the last thing, I guess, just touch on the West Michigan pitching. It, again, same thing. I think Garrett Hill finally gave up some runs after yeah. like 26 or 28 scoreless innings. Um, so that was kind of interesting. And then and then it's basically you got Wilkel Hernandez and Carlos Guzman pitching just fine. Nothing mm-hmm. particularly special, holding their own. And then you got Adam Wolf and Gio Arriera pitching very poorly. Yeah. Um, which is disappointing, I guess, in both regards. But, you know. Can't all be winners, I suppose. Yep. You'd, but, you'd like no, a little bit college, more out of your fourth or fifth round picks, but uh, you know, Tigers. Yeah, for college, yeah, exactly. For college starters, um, especially pitchers, which is you know the Tigers' specialty, you would. Uh, it is pretty disconcerting to me that like they're just getting yeah. crushed um, in the Midwest League. That that's not good, but you know. Yeah, happens. they both have like they both have ERA or FIPS that are way lower than their ERAs, but I don't know if that means anything because sometimes that happens when you suck. Yeah, yeah. You just give up so many. You give up so many pure hits that yeah. Uh, yeah it's not like you're walking guys. They're just mashing the ball over the park on you or striking out. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, think, I haven't seen a whole lot to be excited about it. Um, West Michigan, and it, you know, just to kind of put it in some context, that's it's just not good because you know we don't see a whole lot coming from the international guys yet. Maybe hopefully something like that will break loose this year. We'll see somebody take a step forward. Um, but again, like all the prospect depth is is built around the Justin Berlander trade and the, you know, and the what top 10 picks in 16 and 18. And that's kind of it. Still. And, and, the, and the Cubs trade, too. I mean, if you're taking. Yeah. Plays, yeah, in yeah. Terms of that, yeah. that. That's really about it. But uh, uh, yes, yeah, it's not seeing those fines and, you know, like low A starting to fill up with, you know, guys that they they plucked somewhere and, and are looking particularly good. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it really you know, there have been yeah. seems like there's been some changes in the style of guy that they've taken a little bit, but um, the results seem very much Tigerish. So, yeah, I guess you're, you're kind of hoping there are a couple of interesting names floating out there that we haven't seen yet this year that maybe might filter into Low A later this year if they do okay, like uh, like Eric De La Rosa, yeah, or uh, Hugh Smith. I don't know if he exists. Yeah, what happened to Hugh Smith, man? And. And, uh, yeah, with Calvin Smith, too, would be kind of interesting to see what happens with him. But, you know, you assume these guys are going to be in the GCL or the New York Penn League for the most part. Yeah. But then, you know, the draft is, you know, two weeks away, basically. And uh, we could see another situation where they take some more advanced college guys and they start filtering into low A and, and Lakewood even like uh, like we saw last year. And it looks a little bit better. But, yeah, they're going to need to get some talent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there's that kind of thing that, you know, we've already seen like Austin Athman retired. Um, yeah. Somebody else retired real early this spring who surprised me, but yeah, I mean it, you know, and then we'll kind of have that influx and usually within a, a couple weeks of that, you know, the, the teams start cutting loose some of the later round guys that they just click, you know, so they could take a look at them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was going to be uh, going to be some revolving door and, and a lot of new faces. And this is the part of the year we're covering the minor leagues on a daily basis starts to get just like nightmarish. Cause you're just like, who the fuck is this? And <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. 
Yeah, so, well, and that is one of those interesting things where I, I, it's usually, I think, a June 1st or it might be July 1st opt-out for a lot of AAA free agent types. So the Tigers might be able to pluck some random pitchers that way. We've got room. We've got work available yes. if you're working. Yeah. Yeah. And but, uh, you know, beyond that, it's, I think, you know, trading Shane Green, trading who else you can trade. Yeah, Nick for whatever you can get, which isn't probably going to be much, I guess. So yeah, and whatever whatever they can fill the prospects from that. I mean, if you're if you're talking Atlanta right now, by the way, the Braves are just they called up that third baseman yesterday, Austin Riley. Yeah, Austin yeah. Riley. Get a home run tonight. Yeah. Um. So I think it's I think I want to say it's June first. I'm double checking right now, but uh, for the AAA opt out day for that. But uh, I think it's June first. Um. Before yeah. before we end the before we end the podcast. I do want to give congratulations to uh, Podcastiano's host Jordan. Who, oh yeah, Jordan Hall. Yeah. yeah, Jordan Hall is now going to be the play-by-play voice for the Traverse City Cherry Spitters or Pitters. Oh wow! Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so no uh, that's super cool. Yeah, Congrats, so Jordan. yeah, we we congratulate. I congratulated him earlier on our Tigers Twitter account, but uh, and I text or I shot him a text earlier. Uh, or I'm going to be shooting him a text rather because uh, I'm go- I'm supposed to go to Traverse City anyways in July, so give me a good chance and uh, catch up. But yeah, congratulations to him. He announced it earlier today, and it's kudos to him. He's he knows his baseball. He's to be a former pitcher and uh, big honor for him. So congratulations. Yeah, congratulations, dude. That that's really cool. Yep. Yeah. So from the from the show, but uh, so we're out of time. Uh, but it, we have packed so much. We're gonna probably split this in a two part podcast. So you're listening to We're almost at the two hour mark, ladies and gentlemen. As we didn't we, uh, even talk about Brandon's great uh, Turnbull article. Oh yeah, no, yeah, and that, yeah. By the way, um, and oh, that's all right. Just go read my great Turnbull article. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> does a better job than uh, Wojo covering the basics of why Turnbull. <laughs> maybe the the sky is there, but uh, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. But I mean, like I said, I still think Chris and I have. I, I was talking about this in terms of what he can be as a starter. Good right right at last, and you mentioned too the the miles per hour is hitting Alabama, so it wasn't as no surprise. So that's the part right there that for anybody out there who have who hasn't heard about his past before, Brandon does a really good job of explaining where they were coming from with the pick. So, um, and then I thought Rob uh, or um, Rob's article on the the, ca- the catching too, um, and don't forget oh, the yeah, yeah the uh, the draft preview too. They've been talking about some. Uh, prospects the tigers could pick up as well so um check it all out on blessyboys.com and uh right now um yeah next week we'll speak of bless you boys we'll continue the bless you boys run we'll have uh chris um is it mills am i saying that correctly uh M- mills i think Mil- yeah. yeah mills will um who's actually not too far he lives not too far from here about 10 minutes away from where i live uh he'll be joining us next week and yeah subscribe rate us let us know what you think um itunes spotify you name it and please, for the love of God, can you you know questions? Not hard, folks. <laughs> like you've you've done it you've done it for li- you've you've done it for every other show. Please just leave us a question, comment. Like I, it's, I'm, I'm not asking the moon and the stars. You know, come on, folks. I'm not asking you guys to do very much. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, listening to this two part. So if you're listening right now, it's the second part. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon, Brandon. Again, thanks. And uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun and. Uh, like getting band back together, except uh, I'm on standing base for some strange reason. <laughs> we're, we're like with the three of the cats, and uh, I'm well, actually I'm Slum. Was it Slum? I forgot the guy's name. Uh, Slim. The I forgot the drummer's name, but anyways, I'm making. A, I was trying to make a very obscure Slim or uh, straight cast reference, and I failed. 
Oh, like, yeah. yeah, I'm afraid I can't help you there. I can barely even remember the guitar player guy. Yeah. Brian Seltzer, is that right? Yeah, Brian Seltzer. Yeah. Seltzer. Slim, <laughs> Slim. I know. I remember one of the. I remember some of the best Slim, or something or another. So, uh, all right. Before we, yeah, before this podcast comes crashing to the end, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, two weeks before our draft special, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good night. Thanks for having me on, boys. <laughs>